0: good morning everyone happy monday is it monday it's monday yeah we had a nice weekend i wish Um, you told me (laughs) yeah we did we had a good weekend. we had a great weekend and um yeah spending time with mom and by fast it, so it was a working by.
1: weekend uh, for the most part for me and uh, but it feels good i got yeah. quite a bit of stuff turned around and
0: you know that's like the life of the uh, business owner entrepreneur entrepreneur, yeah. entrepreneur. um I was having a conversation with amanda sanchez too about that and and our friend anna maria Beck, who handles a lot of our social um uh and marketing she just, yeah. She's like work, work, work. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's just kind of what you do.
1: Nature of it. It is yeah, the nature of it. Part of self-employment. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, we're we always working to try to position ourselves obviously to, uh, to balance that better, but it's yeah. an ongoing struggle. So yeah, just, uh, just greetings this morning from again, uh, Guymon, Oklahoma. This time we're in Happy the Monday, uh, office I? slash spare bedroom, which is, um, <laughs> so you got pictures of grandkids in the background yeah. there. So Yeah. So, yeah it's fun just so you we're inviting you into our lives you know, exactly times a week exactly
0: so. um uh, the only thing we're going to really talk about that's coming up is that we had a, we have it confirmed on the 27th of february both brent carmichael and mark burkholder are going to be joining the show the morning show mm-hmm. um to talk about relevant things yeah for sure we'll <laughs> definitely be talking about we're going to talk
1: about the whole enterprise value yeah. thing. i mean that's obviously mark burkholder for those who don't know him as mm-hmm. a specialist with peach tree planning and, and yeah. does a lot of work with succession planning and exit planning. And so, uh, yeah, we'll have a good conversation that day and stay tuned in February. I've got a, several invitations out. We're in discussions with a number of, uh, uh, speakers that, uh, we want to bring. So yeah, we, ton of great stuff Yeah, and, and, and uh, smart yeah. people you know, uh, that we're bringing well, to the microphone. You know,
0: yeah. It's always good to have smart people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So um, today we were going to talk about something that uh, actually has come up with us from a client of ours, mm-hmm. and, um, and it's something that we hear off and on with other dealers that it's um, capital is a huge thing. I mean, it's, it's uh, making sure that we've got, we're capitalized properly for, for, um, to be able to grow or to be able to maintain and, you know, with the, the cost of cars and all of the things that capital is something that's very, um, uh, in the front of a lot of dealers' minds. And so, um, what we're going to talk about for a bit is, um, about private investment. And, um, like I said, this is, uh, we, are working with one of our clients right now to um, help them through this process. And so we just kind of wanted to be able to to bring it to you all and, and give you a little bit better understanding about uh, how to set that up for success and delivery of the information and all of that, if that's something that you're looking at doing.
1: Yeah, because I view it as a tremendous opportunity. <clears throat> Excuse me. I put in the, um, you know, the remarks for the broadcast that I view it as a real positive. Like I, mm-hmm. I think it's a really great thing when we can involve private investors when it is structured right. And we got to make sure that it, especially when we're talking friends and family, which is really what we're talking about today was, you know, when we're, when we're doing friends and family investment, obviously we got to make sure that everything is really well structured mm-hmm. and, and uh, can be a win for everybody. And so that's kind of what we, and, and we've seen it like over the years, I've been in meetings mm-hmm. with uh, would be lenders and banks uh, i've been in conversations with private investors sometimes they're just investors that are acquaintances sometimes they're family. you know friends or family mm-hmm. and i think it's 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 wonderful especially for early stage dealers obviously you and i work with a lot of people who are new to the business and so mm-hmm. in that early stage it's challenging money for early stages pricey and so to be able to go find, or non-existent for yeah in some sometimes, cases. sometimes yeah. i mean most most can find some sort of funding against a contract but it, it's just it's a little bit limiting. I mean, you, you kind of have your hands tied in a way. Some of them are going to require that they collect the payments and so on. So the thing I like about private is if it's structured well, then it gives the dealer an appropriate amount of flexibility, as long as they stay within very specific bumpers. So that's the thing. Is you got to create the structure that says we're gonna, um, you know, keep with keep the discipline. And so mm-hmm. sometimes what happens here is there's a couple of factors here. You got to have good software. To Mm -hmm. do this, right? Got to have software that'll let you.
0: Yeah, to find good software. Well, well, in this context, it's really
1: about portfolio management, being able to make sure that you can isolate uh, portfolios and have that particular investment stay inside. It's very well identified. So sometimes you know the entire portfolio is with a private investor but it could be that dealer has already 50 contracts and now they're bringing a private investor to do the next 100 contracts.
0: Okay. So what does that I mean in in a in a software in a DMS uh, that what what is that ability called?
1: Um, it's going to be portfolio. Basically it's a portfolio. So you can setup. you
0: can you can um, like bucket different portfolios within a software or within a company even. Mm -hmm.
1: So if you, you know, whether it's your dealership or related finance company, having software that lets you manage portfolios well, I mean, really be able to track Mm -hmm. the receivables, track the collections, that whole thing. So that you're able to isolate that portfolio and make sure that the, the, the private party's investment is attached to a very specific portfolio and now we're able to track that and measure it. And I do also recommend a third party. Obviously, we fill that role with some. We're doing less and less third of that. Third party for what? For data reporting and doing like what I call a settlement statement.
0: Like, okay. Yeah. Like
1: it's like the, the way this works best. And, and this is obviously you can follow the pattern. A lot of lenders would use something mm-hmm. similar mm-hmm. where they will advance the, the borrower in this case the dealer up to a certain percentage of their receivables called a borrowing base or you know a, mm-hmm. a maximum uh, credit limit whatever so they're they're going to borrow have a maximum advance against that portfolio and we want to see dealers do the same thing with this so it's about writing a plan that says we're only going to draw a certain amount mm-hmm. we're going to take a portion of the proceeds that we collect portion of the interest portion of the or whatever that looks like and we're going to apply that to the the debt that we have just Mm -hmm. to make sure we stay in a favorable ratio. And so when we structure it that way, the reason I say it's a win is that dealer gets reasonably priced money. Obviously we can talk about APR or whatever that might look like. Dealers usually ask me what to expect. And so I think you, you can expect that the investor is going to be looking for something north of what they could get in the stock market, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's perceived as them as high risk. And, but it's going to be maybe more affordable and more flexible than some of the Mm -hmm. early stage programs might be. So it's, it's a good solution for a lot of dealers. And I just think it's a really important thing to explore because it just gives the dealer the opportunity to grow. And the key is just, I love to be able to say to a would-be investor, look, if we think about this way, as long as we have the discipline built in the model, Mm -hmm and we can tell the investor, look for every dollar that you have invested, there's going to be at least $2 worth of receivables, dollars worth of assets. So I'll say that again. If an investor, a private party, Uncle Larry, as we used Mm -hmm. in this example, if Uncle Larry is going to invest, then we should be able to have a structure in there that we're going to have for every dollar that Uncle Larry invests, they're going to be $2 worth of performing assets.
0: Okay. So um, let's give a scenario to like, how does that look for? So um, if,
1: if Uncle Larry, you know, advances, however this works, if you know. So you buy a car,
0: the, you sell a car, the yeah, car, uh, you
1: know. $10,000 note. A $10,000 note. Active contract current or meets the, meets the qualifications of the, you know, eligible asset if you will because we have to make a definition around what's what's performing because we can't have dealers sit on if if the dealer is the borrower and this is why the lenders are structured the way they are they can't have can't be loaning money against non-performing assets once a contract stops performing is why they all pretty much have a delinquency um requirement in there once an account becomes a certain stage of delinquency then you have to make sure that that contract is pulled out of the, the assets. We're mm-hmm. no longer calculating that as a qualified asset. So, again, these are things that can be written in an understanding so that this would-be private investor can participate. Now, they probably want some third party. Like if, if I were Uncle Larry mm-hmm. and I was the one making the investment, I be and this is obviously based on many years of experience, but I would say I'm going to insist that we have a third party validate the numbers, verify that these contracts are performing Mm -hmm. and that my investment is still in that favorable ratio in terms of how much I, Mm -hmm. how much I have outstanding or, uh, you know, loaned out Mm -hmm. relative to the performing. So let
0: me ask you, you know, when you talk about third party, is that like, um, it's not going to be a bookkeeper. It's an accountant of some kind. It could be a
1: bookkeeper. As long as the bookkeeper understands the process, it could be a data person. It's really just spreadsheet work. Okay. So it's really about having somebody who's not, you know, influenced by the dealership. They don't work in the dealership. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I mean by third party. And now once we structure that that way, then now, if I'm uncle Larry, I can be assured that some independent party is sending this report to me on whatever interval we've agreed. I like weekly, by the way, I like a weekly settlement on everything. And now we just know. So the other thing I'd be looking for is I'd be looking for some sort of restriction on modifications, because if we say that a contract has got to be current or inside of 45 days past due or whatever we choose, then what we have to guard against is we can't have the dealer be modifying contracts and kicking up the can down the road, so to speak. And so the, the, the account looks current on the delinquency report, but it's not really performing. The customer's not paying as expected. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to guard against that part too. But it, when those measures are put in place, it's like I always when I meet with would-be investors, you know, on behalf of a client typically, mm-hmm. and I'm having the conversation, I have to educate them on this space. Like I can tell them a lot of investors are going to have the perception just like a lot of people outside our industry, they have the perception that buy here, pay here, you're talking about some you know, modular st- structure and a muddy parking lot and you know, kind of a, a dirty business. And we know that that's not true. We know that that's not always true. There are certainly dealers out there who have very clean operations. That, and we also know, this part of, I often find myself telling them is that these contracts, these portfolios perform better than folks would expect when they're well-managed.
0: Yes. Right. And when they're structured well. Yeah,
1: it's got to be structured well. And so as long as we get the formula right on that, and there is a formula that makes sense. And often with cash flow modeling, we're able to figure out what is a sensible advance based on the way the contracts have been performing up to now.
0: So you, you, with that advance, you use that, um, you are looking at the way contracts have performed before you just say X is a good amount to advance.
1: Yeah, but even when somebody's brand new in business, they barely put five contracts on the Mm -hmm. books or something, there's no real basis for, you know, the performance. I think as long as you have some training on the collections, so you're either going to use some third party for collections and pay servicing outside and Mm -hmm. build that into your model, or you're going to collect yourself and you're going to have to learn how to do that. So, in that scenario, what I'd be saying is, look, let's all understand. Let's imagine that I'm talking to you as a dealer and some would-be investor Mm -hmm. and I'm going to say, look, just let's be transparent here. If we if we structure this thing well, favorable ratios, and the contracts are performing, then we're learning, we're collecting as we go, and if a contract quits performing, then we'll pull it out of the borrowing base and there will be an adjustment. So if the dealer, as the borrower, has to be in a financial position all the time to make sure that they can make any corrections or they mm-hmm. call it curtailments, adjust mm-hmm. you know, back to the, the ratio. But then also, I would also often tell the dealer, uh, both the dealer and the investor. I think it's appropriate to create what I call off ramps in whatever the understanding is so that if the, if you go down a track for a period of time and the portfolio is not performing as expected, not yielding as much cash or not staying in ratio consistently, then there's an off ramp for the investor. And it's all understood at the beginning. I can take the off ramp, if things aren't going as expected, Mm -hmm. we can liquidate on the open market. I can help the, the investor understand, look, these, this contract has more value on the open market than what we have extended against it.
0: And, well, that's key though, right. is it's that important. and and it's something that um, you know, I when I first entered the space that I would get on social media and there was an awful lot of talk about um, hey, you know, so and so will advance 60, 65%, 60%, 75%. And um, you know, and that sounds it's like chick-ching to uh, you know, it's like mm-hmm. I can get that much money coming in, but then it just doesn't allow you any wiggle room for <clears throat> any issues and and you know that ability to be able to liquidate the portfolio when you're when you're when your lender is advancing at that 65 or 70 percent, then there's no there's no room. I mean, yeah, yeah, and I think,
1: you know, for the most part, you and I kind of live in a certain space or certain segment of buy here payer. Here. There are there are buy here payer here operators out there that are doing a higher ACV mm-hmm. and the what they're advancing relative to the real value of the car maybe is maybe they can make those ratios work. For most of the dealers that we work with that are newer, mm-hmm. you know, fairly early stage or, you know, doesn't doesn't matter a lot of these things still apply depending on the loan structure mm-hmm. of the to the consumer. Excuse me, but the reality is that's the part that I think we, we want to make sure that we keep those um ratios favorable. And and for us, that's usually 50%. Like at, I just at say kind at of a at max. A, so that's why yeah. you're hearing me say you're gonna have at least two dollars of assets for every yeah. dollar of investment. And so now when we stay in that range, that works for most of our clients. So we tried it. We used to be able to keep it around 40%. Yeah.
0: Oh, well, I remember um with the same uh client of ours that we're talking to outside investors, is that when you were you were uh walking through what this looks like and how you should structure um the offering to the investor, is that I remember that uh, one of the things and and we we had I can't remember who it was, but um uh I want to say it's Darla. Um, but that said that, that their rule of thumb is, can we double our charge-offs? Um, and if we can, and we can stay favorable, we're good. We're good at that, at that rate. Was that, am I getting that right?
1: Well, I don't, it doesn't matter who said that. I think that's still an appropriate, um, formula. I think what, what you're really suggesting is at our ratio that we have borrowed, Mm -hmm. You know, I think the way it was originally said is, "Are you still in business?" Well, mm-hmm. by in business, or is the is the business performing well enough to continue to function? And also, you could say, is it performing well enough to stay in favor with your lender, mm-hmm. whoever—private party, bank, whoever? Because mm-hmm. if you get out of ratio and you can't, you don't have the funds to curtail and get back in favor, then you could be looking at some sort of foreclosure, liquidation scenario. Mm-hmm. And and that's obviously what we're all trying to avoid, avoid is making yeah. sure we create a healthy balance. So, you know, with our experience, we're we're able to say, look, this is a really uh, a great space to invest in. We know there's tremendous demand. There's also you you know, if I'm Uncle Larry, I would just be telling Uncle Larry, look, you're always also getting a chance to really help a lot of people in your community. Yeah. You're you're creating a situation that allows the dealer to provide a solution for customers who are quote unquote unbankable and so now we have a chance to create a lot of business build a really beautiful business and do it in an ethical way and so we're making money we're helping people and so it's a it's Mm -hmm. a really nice structure because the consumer can benefit the dealer can benefit the investor makes some money and so it can be a really nice setup and that's why we like it we just think when it's structured well and we put in those things i talked about right kind of ratios make sure we're verifying that we're not amending a lot of contracts and rewriting and and those things will show up in the performance report. So that's why we're often involved as we we track the portfolio performance and help ve- verify for both the dealer and the the investor mm-hmm. that everything's performing well. And of course, as coaches, we're often helping the dealer if the performance is starting to falter. We can mm-hmm. often coach help them yeah, coach them through mm-hmm. that. But yeah, that's why we just we like it. It's a it's an interesting space. We know from our conversations with some of the valuation people out there that we know that. You know, this space doesn't make a lot of sense for, really, we're talking more acquisitions than loans, but, you know, buy here, pay here is not a very good place for a lot of private equity, right? If you're angel investor, private equity, it happens to be on a larger level, but for the typical mom and pop buy here, pay here, and they're looking to do some private amount, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, quarter million, half a million from Uncle Larry, then you know, this is more like Mm -hmm. what we would see as a structure. And so I just think you have to have, it's, it's not a long list. It's a short list of safeguards that you need to have in place. One of them is an off ramp. And if we go down the track for a while and it's not Mm -hmm. performing as we expected, then we, we move on to something else, you know, Uh, which is probably how we should always operate in business, you know, but, but basically we're just trying to create the necessary safeguards in there. So you know, I think that's probably kind of covers it. We touched on this a while back, kind of in this thing about structure, you know, mm-hmm. we talked about, cause we always talk about, and Brent Carmichael and I've talked about, you know, this idea that there's really two types of structure that mm-hmm. if we get those things right, then we mitigate a lot of the risk that is buy here, pay here. And so this is really touching on one of those two types of structure. The, yeah. the, the method that you use to fund mm-hmm. contracts is a really important formula to stay in a safe ratio Mm -hmm. and obviously we need to try to find funding that is more affordable Mm -hmm. for the sake of our business we need to you know make it make sure it's got some flexibility i like to see dealer have an appropriate degree of flexibility in what they do in the way they manage Mm -hmm. and so that's not always possible with some lenders but um and it's okay that's you know business is what it is but it's like we just have to understand what in what ways a lender going to tie our hands as a dealer Mm -hmm. we can Make sure we're prepared for that and function accordingly but with a, a private investor as long as the ratios stay right and private investors not trying to get in there and tell you how to manage your business typically they're just making sure that you know everything's performing as expected and that they're getting a nice return on their investment and if it ever stops performing we got a way out yeah you know? i learned to
0: learn a little bit more about that conversation um, that jim and brent carmichael had about um it's actually the, a tote the note podcast called why dealers fail and, um, there's some really good information in there about, uh, different things that you should be looking for and looking at to help safeguard, um, some yeah, of those things. So this is just, found, this is just one of those things.
1: It's, you can find our podcast channel anywhere you find your podcast. Yeah. You can typically mm-hmm. look up tote the note and you should be able to find it, uh, YouTube, YouTube. subscribe to our YouTube mm-hmm. channel. Those, uh, those playlists are over there. So if you're on our YouTube channel, you can find the tote the note mm-hmm. playlist and also the morning show playlist is over there. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right.
1: I think we that should wrap, wrap it up. up? We oh won't their Monday. People are busy on Monday. <laughs> they are busy yeah. on
0: a Monday. Well, thank you so much for joining today. And um, I hope that uh, that uh, you learned a little bit about, you know, if you've got an Uncle Larry, Uncle Larry. That, or Wally, uh, or, Wally <laughs> or even sometimes, you know, if it's uh, your local bank that you've got a really great yeah. relationship sure. with. Um, that's one of the other places that jim has actually sat down and had meetings with yeah. uh, a banker and the dealer to help help them understand um, right. the best way for structuring the deal so that all parties are are protected so yep. if you've got any other questions please don't hesitate to reach out and we would be happy to help in any way we can if if you're coming up to this this place where you're looking to get some investment dollars in your dealership
1: and that are hope we probably know somebody who can't so. exactly right.
0: exactly all right well thank you so much guys um i hope you guys have a great week and uh we will see you all on the other side
1: yep right, wednesday